Welcome to Assignment, the official podcast of the Mountain View MFA program at Southern New Hampshire University. I'm Rebecca Dragon, alongside Jillian Kemmerer. Jillian, I'm really excited about today. It's Me our too. it's our second episode, which is very exciting. We still haven't heard the first one. So, I mean, jury's out. I don't know how it's all going yet. But second episode, I'm so excited because when we first started talking about doing this podcast, the very first person that I ever thought about wanting to bring in here was the person we have here today. Just yeah. for my own entertainment. Phil, it's really interesting. Like Phil has this sort of legendary status, I feel like, because we haven't really coincided, but everyone knows the story of the guy that did every MFA on the menu. So I'm That's- really excited to get into this. <laughs> well, absolutely. And it's beyond just doing every MFA on the menu and some of the side dishes, but it's also uh, just his personality and his presence in the program, which I did have the opportunity to experience. So I don't need, I just want to get Phil in here. So I'm going to read his bio that he sent me, which is just peak Phil. Um, Excited. Bio. I'm reading it from my text. Bio. Phil Lemos has too many MFAs. When he's not teaching freshman composition or creative writing, He's writing about crazy past jobs from lugging pallets around retail purgatory to the self-proclaimed payroll empire. A bunch of people keep asking him when he's going to finish that novel. So, Phil, I don't know. Is it too obvious? When are you going to finish that novel? (laughs) Phil. Um, I'm actually in a relatively good place with it. Um, there's a couple, so there's like a couple of chapters in the middle that I keep writing and rewriting and rewriting over again, because like, I haven't been able to get the tone right. Um, but I feel like I've made a couple of breakthroughs, like since the beginning of this year. And I think that might be like the final piece. Um, I hope that I get like, I feel like I'm talking like, you know, like, uh, you know, sports, French fantasy football owners, like this is the final piece. (laughs) But, um, but yeah, I think like everything else I think is more or less in place. And now it's just like a question of like getting those final pieces to fall together. So, um, I, am I have spring break coming up and then, you know, summer break. And then I feel like that's when I'm going to do like a full court press to really try and get this nailed. I've been, um, playing around with a query letter and starting to try and massage that make it sound as good as it can um i have a editor friend who said she would take a look at my query letter and make some suggestions um based on my manuscript so so we'll see um you know cautiously optimistic as a sport the fact that fantasy reference and a full court press within the first three minutes this is already peak podcast for me it's not getting any better so I just needed (laughs) that's right I was like I was telling Jillian I mean Jillian he writes about sports I don't totally understand it but you will so but so you have a nearly finished novel you have a query letter that you're working on which Um, If anyone's listening and doesn't know what that is, it means that you're going to be reaching out to agents to try and get some representation. Um, 
And, but how'd we get here? So like, take us back. And I just want to hear all of it. Like, how did you get into the program? And then how did you get into the program again? And then how did you get into the program again? (laughs) (laughs) When you put it like that, it's the most amazing thing ever. I love it. (laughs) Well, we're going to hear it. I I can't wait. (laughs) So once upon a time, I was a store manager at CVS and it was a, it was a, well-paying job but it was a miserable job um this was 2016 the economy was good but that also means that people don't really go for retail jobs so we were perennially understaffed and um you know we were having all this pressure to do everything and figure out everything and get it done on time and I was like sitting there saying to myself, this job is slowly killing me. And I had been like, just sort of like dabbling with this novel and just playing around with it, not really taking it all that seriously, but just like stringing some chapters together. And one night I got home from work and I was just miserable. And I was just like, you know, I hate my life. And I just started surfing the net and I stumbled upon Mountain View and it was like the website for their program. And so I just like looked at it and I, um, you know, there's like, you know, had like, this is what you have to do to apply. And so I decided, you know what, what the hell, I'll send my first chapter. And, you know, I, I, so I sent them my first chapter and, you know, kind of with the intent that like, they're either going to like it or they're going to reject me and I will throw this novel in the shredder and never look at it again. And so about a week, week and a half later, I got an email from Ben Nugent and I didn't know who he was. So I was like, who the hell is this? <laughs> and, um, and then I was like, I've read like the first couple of sentences. Oh, he's writing about my application. And then I was like, all right, this is the rejection email. And he wrote, um, you know, I was really kind of fascinated by your novel. I think this program might be a good place for you. Um, And, you know, like you have to do, I mean, you have to do like X, Y, and Z. We need a couple of references. Um, You have to get us your transcripts. But if you're willing to do that, we, um, you know, we'd be happy to have you in the program. And also, you know, I was living, I mean, I still live in central Massachusetts, but I was living in Worcester at the time. And so Ben was in New York. He was going up to Snooze campus um, the following week. He's like, you know, I mean, I drive through Worcester on the way. I'm happy to meet you. You know, I can talk to you a little more about the program. And so I was kind of excited. I was like, wow, that was pretty, pretty ringing endorsement. And so I immediately like sent an email back and I, in the email, I accidentally called him Brad. (laughs) um, Sent him an email. I was like, yeah, there's a Barnes and Noble near where I live. Um, You know, um, I could meet you. I get out of work um, Thursday at three. I could meet you over there at four. Just look for somebody wearing CVS blue. And, um, (laughs) So we met at the um, 
a coffee shop at Barnes and Noble in Worcester. And he was talking to me about like what the program entails. And um, he's like, look, I really think you'd be a great fit for the program. And then he went and bought me a couple of George Saunders short story collections. So then I felt like, all right, now I'm obligated. Now I have to do it. Um, but also, like, one of the things. Saw, he, wait a second, Phil. He yeah. bought you some George Saunders story. Like he got you started. He right bought away. me past Aurelia and he bought me Civil War Land and Bad Decline. Wow. Did you do anything, Rebecca, when you got admitted or? No. <laughs> ben, come on. Maybe I shouldn't have said that. I might be costing Ben a lot of money. No, I think it's amazing. It's amazing. Um, but yeah, and like one of the things that he talked about, like they he was like, um, at the time, the composition, the English composition department at Sudo was like desperately short of adjuncts to teach comp. And he's like, we can set it up so that you could teach English comp like one section of it a semester while you're getting your MFA. And so I was like, and, you know, they're like, we'll pay you, you know, and it was, you know, I was like, okay. So, um, you know, it was one section. It wasn't obviously wasn't enough that it would be like full-time work for me, but I was like, you know what, that's probably going to like seal it for me. Mm. I was like, you know, what would I do in case nobody likes my novel and nobody wants to publish it? I was like, well, I could teach. So so, so what enticed yeah, you? Sorry, what enticed you then? So you go through the Mountain View program. Why did you decide you wanted to keep doing it again? Like, what were you looking to get out of it with each successive enrollment? Um, so I was in my thesis semester. So I, you know, worked on my novel for, you know, I went in fiction, worked on my novel. Um, my thesis, it was like the first two thirds of my novel. It wasn't the whole thing. So I had, I think my thesis was 226 pages. And I was actually getting kind of depressed because I was like, I don't really want to leave. <laughs> and so, you know, it was my last semester and I'm like trying to furiously finish my novel. And I looked at so going into like my fourth residency, which was going to be the residency that would launch my thesis semester, I was looking at the roster of like everybody who was going to be at residency and who was going to be in workshop with who. And um, I noticed um, a familiar name, um, Will Everidge, and he was in the program for a while for fiction. He was a couple of cohorts ahead of me. And then he was like back and I was like I was like oh wow and then like so like <laughs> got to residency I saw I was like what are you doing back and he's like oh I'm going through a nonfiction now you know he had gone through in fiction and and I was like you can do that and he's like <laughs> like well I guess so because <laughs> I did it so I talked to um, Lisa Janicki, who was the admin at the time, and she's like, yeah, I mean, we'd love to have you. Um, you just have to give us another writing sample for nonfiction. Um, we don't need the letters of recommendation anymore because we already know who you are, um, you know, which was a good sign because they didn't try to dissuade me from going back. <laughs> Like, so I was like, okay. Um, so I sent them um, an essay that I had written couple, um, a few years back. And they were like, yeah, this works. 
So then I went through a nonfiction and then I had to figure out, all right, well, what am I going to write about for nonfiction? Um, and I started writing about all the jobs I had had in my adult life, um, all the various jobs, retail hell, the payroll empire, all that stuff. Um, and um, they seemed to like it. I was like, yeah, that works. Um, so I went through nonfiction um every once in a while I would cheat on my nonfiction and start to like go back to working on my novel um just because I felt like that was just sort of like that you know like unfinished business also like I know I didn't finish this novel I got a good chunk of it done but I need to keep working on it so I think staying in the program for nonfiction was also sort of a reason for me to keep working on my novel and what do you, and then, and, well, then again. So then they started this <laughs> certificate program. And I was like, all right, well, so I like, I went in, I got my nonfiction MFA. I'm like, okay, I'm done. And they'd started the certificate program a couple, like while I was getting my MFA in nonfiction. And I was like, well, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> um, it would cost me more money. You know, I'm already, you know, I'm already going to be in student loan debt. I can't really add on to that. Um, but then I won the scholarship from SNU. And it was like, right as I was graduating with my nonfiction MFA. And I was like, well, what the hell am I going to do with this? I'm graduating. Now. And then Ben was like, well, you could start the certificate. And I was like, oh, yeah, I guess I could. Um, so I use that as like seed money for the certificate. And I was like, this will really give me an opportunity to like, you know, keep working on the novel. So I decided so, to sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you there, but I, I was just thinking to myself, given that you've been through every version of the MFA that you could possibly go through at SNU, you'd be the perfect person to recommend how to make the most of the experience because, you know, so many of us come into it maybe not knowing what our end goal is or not knowing what our project ultimately is. Like, is it about coming in guns blazing or do you think that there are other ways to really make the most of this mentorship? Because let's face it, you had the luxury of doing it three times, but for so many people, they may only get one shot at having a mentor looking at their pages. So like, what would be your game plan to maximize that experience? I mean, I would say that every time I went back in, I had a goal in mind, like, this is what I'm trying to accomplish for these next couple of years, or the certificate is only one year, but the other two programs are two years. Um, this is what I'm trying to accomplish over these next two years, and this is going to be my game plan, so this is what I have to work towards. I, I don't think that's a hard and fast rule. I think you can go into the program and try to find yourself and figure out what you want to write about. But for me, I think I'm not sure I would have thrived as much that way. I think I really needed that defined, like, this is what I want to work on. Because that sort of like, kept me motivated. I actually find that really interesting, Phil, because I'm, I'm that other person, right? So I came in thinking I knew what I was going to write in every sem semester since I have changed what I'm doing. And I've pivoted and um, and 
I do, I, I just, I really appreciate hearing that, that there are multiple ways to come into this program. And not only that, but that the program works for different people. We really get met where we are, you know? And I think one thing I've learned is that I've, a lot of these mentors will really help you hone in on your own voice and your own work. Um, and I'll know, I'll share a mentor with someone that's, to me, feels like a really different writer than me. And they're getting, you know, different feedback. And I, I, I find that what do you, when you think about the program, like what are some of the things that really worked for you in this program, working with these mentors? Like what stands out for you in that, in the whole process? Mm, as far as, the mentor aspect of it, I tried to find people who I think like one of my best piece of advice is like, you'll get to know them over your first residency. So just try and like meet them and talk to them and figure out who they are. And I feel like the people that I always had as mentors were people that I really clicked with personally. And that was, you know, something that was like, if I'm going to work for the, if I am going to work with this person for an entire semester, I want to make sure that we can get along because we might come to a point where like, we may not agree on like the direction that my work is going to go. And it'll go a lot smoother if like, you know, we can have that conversation and have it in a cordial way. So and those conversations do happen, you know, I mean, there are definitely some times when my mentors were like, I'm not quite on board with the direction you're taking this. Um, so, and then that really helped. Um, and also I think it's just like, you want to feel like that they are a fan of your work that they're going to support you and they're going to try to push you to get the most out of your work. Um, I, you definitely get a sense of that early on. I mean, just the the process of going through the different workshops and having def two different faculty members every time looking at your work, you definitely begin to understand who gets your work, who's excited about it. And I agree with you completely. And I mean, I'm only on my second mentor, but you can feel when someone is wholeheartedly behind your project. And I think we're really spoiled in the sense that there are a lot of faculty members who are really eager um, to be wholeheartedly behind your project. And to that point, I was just wondering if there were one or two you wanted to single out people that you worked with that you really enjoyed during the program. Uh, there were a lot that I would like to single out. <laughs> like I, 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 would, I never had a bad experience with anybody, um, I, but I would say, Marcus Burke was great. Um, he taught me a lot, not just about writing, but about life. Um, he really taught me a lot about unconscious bias and that really like made me a better person. So that was really helpful for me, not just in my writing, but just like in how I go about the world today. Um, Joe Knowles is fantastic. Um, I feel like Joe is like in a lot of ways, She's like the older sister I never had. And she's like that person who's always kind of like pushing me to be better, but also like cheering me on at the same time. And she's very stylistically different from me writing wise, but I think she understands, makes somebody the best version of the writer that they want to be. 
which that's like the magic, like when you have somebody like that in the program, you know, um, Amy Irvine is great. Um, Amy gave me a lot of tough love. Amy off like very often wrote, wrote like in my, I worked with Amy in nonfiction and Amy would very often write, um, you know, Phil, I know that you don't mean this, but this line comes across as really sexist and I'm going to explain why. And so I had to absorb that and I had to listen to it. I was like, oh, wow, like I never really thought about it from that perspective. And it's really helpful for me to know that. Um, so that was super helpful. And but I also always knew that Amy was in my corner. Um, you know, for all the tough love she gives you, she also gives you a generous amount of praise and she'll let you know when you're doing well. Um, Nadia is amazing. Nadia, I feel like I have modeled a lot of my teaching practice after Nadia because I think she does great work and she's very good about, um, you know, letting you know what's not working, but also softening the blow. And then, um, Tracy O'Neill, I worked with both semester the certificate program, and I can't say enough good things about Tracy about how she really tries to understand you and what you're working on and trying to meet you where you are. And there were times that I was like, I just sent her a pile of garbage and she would come back and like, she's a super fast reader first of all like I was amazed like she would always get back to me with lightning speed and I and you know the certificate I'm sending her like 100 page chunks at a time um and it was always like super insightful and um I sent her one excerpt that was like 125 pages and she sent it back she's like okay I cut 50 pages out of this and I was like whoa but like when I saw the pages she cut, I was like, it was really kind of liberating because I was like, oh my God, I, it's really great to know that I didn't need all of that. Um, so yeah, I mean, I can't say enough good things about the people in the program. I want to ask you also about, we, aside from the mentors, which we, we've, you know, we've already talked about experiences we've had that we really love as well. I also find that a really important part of this program is the social aspect and the peer-to-peer -peer relationships that really get developed. And I want to say that, Phil, when I first, you know, joined and I was in my first semester, it was in the pandemic and it was online and they kind of, you know, the admin had kind of made you the MC, the host of all the social events online. And I remember seeing you sitting right there, you know, the, the head in the square um, and going to these after hour parties on the, you know, on teams. And I really, I really appreciated the way that you were always very welcoming. You were kind of everyone's big brother, uh, you know, the host, the host in the house. Um, and you want to speak a little bit um, before we move on to readings, you want to speak a little bit to that, uh, the, that peer to peer relationship aspect of things. Yeah, I like that's the kind of thing you can't really put a price on it. And I have like, I'm in a writer's group now with a few of those people that I've always been pretty close with. And that's really helpful and it keeps us going and we keep each other motivated. And 
those are those those lasting connections really help um i think when you like find your people so to speak it's really just amazing and i think that's like one of those things that started to happen over time is i really found my people so yeah it's really terrific um i got made the mc like the mc was like something that like there's always been like a student ga who's done like those sort of social events and it used to be will the guy i had mentioned in the beginning and then he graduated and um so it was somebody else and then she got strep throat during one of the residencies so lisa um sent me this panicky text she's like um hey phil um you know told me like you know the other student's sick um could you kind of mc like the student readings tonight I was like, yeah, okay, you know, but I was like, there's not a lot of heavy lifting on my end. All I'm doing is like introducing who's coming in and then they read and then they sit down and then I go back up and introduce the next person. So I was like, yeah, sure, fine. And so I tried to like get like a lot of them were like people that I didn't know super well. So I was trying to get like some information about them so that I could like say something um, about them. And at some point during that night, I said something while I was emceeing and I don't even remember what it was, but like everybody found it like absolutely the funniest thing they'd ever heard. And like people are laughing and like people like, you know, we would have like the buffet dinner afterwards, like people are slapping my back is like, you're amazing. And like Lisa emailed me like, <laughs> you have to do this permanently. Like, <laughs> we're not going to let you go back to just being like, like, um, just like a regular student. So um, she's like, you know, just so you know, this gig pays like, you know, $750 per residency. So if you want to do it, it's yours. I was like, okay. You know, I mean, it's not a bad week's work. So, so I just yeah. did it and like never left. Um, speaking of your MC mic duties, we don't have $750 to pay you for this, but we know... <laughs> brought some things to read for us, which I'm super excited about. So I don't know how you want to tee it up, but I understand you've brought two things, one of yours and one of a mentor. So I don't know, should we kick off with you, Phil? Sure. Um, I, so, I mean, they're both really short. They're like a minute each. Um, and I, if I can find it now, yeah. I figured I'd read like the first three paragraphs from my novel. So does that work? Oh, all right. So that way I don't have to like set up anything and I can just dive in and, you know, hopefully it'll make people want to read more. Um, but yeah, anyway, so I'll just start with that. Troy arrives early because he always expects the worst case scenario. Without removing his sunglasses, he shakes the snow from his winter coat and lays it over the stool next to him. He slinks up to the bar, slugs his faded gray hoodie over his head, body heat fogging his sunglasses, and runs his fingers along the sticky chip wood. Walk this way, this one-star Chinese joint nestled among the pine trees in southeastern Massachusetts has allegedly roped off a section of booths and back to keep enraged sports fanatics away from Troy. 
Brian was supposed to reserve the booths. Brian isn't here yet. Some things never change. That asshole calls Troy all the time with big ideas, and he's always late. Troy and Brian were regulars here in high school when word spread that the bartenders never carded and the scorpion bowls were potent. Years later, Walk This Way is still the default meeting place to scream about issues that matter. Democracy, foreign relations, and playoff football. I'll stop there. Yes, playoff football. As a disgruntled Eagles fan this season, I begin to tell you how much that resonated, but that was great. I, I, I would buy it. I'm already in. Are you in, Rebecca? I'm in just because I love Phil, even though I, I frankly only watch the commercials during the Super Bowl and eat the food. <laughs> but <laughs> um, <laughs> so Phil, do you want to give us just a little synopsis of the, the premise of, of the novel? Um, yeah, so um, the novel is about Troy, who is a football coach in a very alternate um, uber dystopian version of North America, which is harder and harder to say nowadays. But um, but yeah, basically the premise is that New England is no longer part of the United States and it's sort of its own separate republic. And so they have their own football league. So he coaches in that league. Um and he's has the opportunity to take over um, a team that he grew up rooting for as a kid. He's back from the NFL uh, where he had a short stint there where he got fired. Um, the Patriots no longer exist. They've been expelled from the NFL. Yes. Um, for various misdeeds. And, um, <laughs> and um, so like um, New England has its own football league now and um he's so he's going back to coach there and um he um it just kind of follows him over the course of a season coaching his team while relations between new england and the united states slowly deteriorate well oh, phil i have to tell you that as like how excited jillian got about football playoffs for me, you say dystopian and I'm jumping up and down. I'm so excited. I love dystopian work. And I don't know how it completely bypassed me that you were writing a dystopian piece. I, now I really, now I must be, you're going to send me a draft so I can be a beta reader or something for you. I mean, I'm so yeah, excited. Sure. Um, I could, all the beta readers I could get at this point. <laughs> So you also brought something from a mentor and I'm hoping that you will cue that one up about who it is and why you picked it and why you really appreciate this particular mentor and the piece that you picked. Um, so I picked Tracy O'Neill. Uh, it was super tough because like I said, I mean, so many of the people I worked with were so terrific and they've all made me a better writer. Um, but I picked her novel Quotions because it is just badass and really fascinating. And it's the kind of work that I read it and I'm like, this is so something I would be incapable of writing, but I love it. And so I'll just read like the opening like page of her um, prologue. So. He'd found a small way to resolve the future, 
the year he believed that, though in fact the belief would not last the year, was 2005. It was a various year when he trusted through the euphemistically might be called his cohort and then didn't, where he quit assuming a fake resume and an ardor for details could occlude misfortune's gaze. He decided to keep stories to the rooms where they'd happened, but he also aspired to sensible collaborations of evidence, although, or in particular because, it was a time of perfect aberration. It was the time when he met Alexandra Chen. In his mind, there was a procedure to calm successions. It began with a call center. There, you could rely on emergencies. And so the night before the year torqued, Jeremy Jordan turned on his headset, a red light in a grid lit. He asked, how could he help? Not in the matter of hopelessness. My life's action is gravity, callers said in their own ways. Help me catch what's falling, what's falling in me. Just brilliant. I I love the propulsiveness of the way that she writes. You just feel like you're constantly going in motion forward, whether she has these long sentences or just the short, punchy ones in between. You just get this sense that you're moving from the instant she starts reading because she did a nonfiction reading this past residency, which, you know, in a, in a similar way, although it was very different topically, I, you just immediately get this sense of momentum with the way that Tracy writes. You get so excited to hear the rest of it. I, I loved that. And to hear her read as well, she puts that energy into her readings as well. I've always, and I love how you described it's like just badass. Well, Tracy's badass. Like I, she's, that is absolutely one of the top, you know, terms I think of when I think of Tracy. Um, I was super intimidated by Tracy. And part of me was like, when I decided to do the certificate, I was like, who have I not worked with yet? Who I feel like would be really good for me to work with. And Tracy was like the first name that immediately came to mind. But then at the same time, I was like, she might absolutely like send me out of this program in a body bag too. <laughs> and so I was like, I had this like, I had this like Microsoft chat with Ben and Ben was like, well, who do you think you'd want to work with? And I was like, well, somebody I haven't worked with yet who I'd really be intrigued about working with is Tracy but how would you know what do you think about that and Ben was like oh Tracy would be great for you you would you would really benefit from him so I was like all right that works and then I was like you know because I'd never worked with Tracy in either of my two MFAs and I had never even had her in a workshop so I was like and then I'm having this meeting with her at the beginning of the certificate program during residency and I'm like scared shitless and I'm like telling her the premise of my novel and like pretty much how I just told you. And I'm like, she's going to think this is the dumbest idea for a novel. And she's going to tell me, no, do something else. And then I'm going to like leave this meeting crying. And <laughs> so I explained it to her and she's like, oh my God, that is so awesome. So <laughs> it's like. What more do you need? Vote of confidence from Tracy O'Neill. Yeah. I, yeah I, I, to hear those words from Tracy O'Neill would be a yeah. gift. Yeah, she was like, <laughs> I would read that novel. So I was like, all right. That's amazing. That's amazing. But she did. She worked with me a lot on like that propulsion. I'm like, you know, and like a lot of what she would cut from my work was like, you don't need this. Like you've got all the action and like everything's kind of like reaching a crescendo. 
don't stop to like just kind of like putter around like keep the crescendo going um and that was like so helpful because now like I really think about that a lot more and I mean I still probably overwrite but I think I have a better sense of like yeah I don't need that um whereas like I used to be like I have to get everything in because nobody's gonna understand this mm. it was also like really heartening to know that like she was like yeah I understand you're trying to explain this but like I already get it like you don't need to <laughs> totally it's the fact that you hear her voice in your head now writing without her that shows the real value of the program like you walk away from these mentors but what they instilled in you stays and it gives me a little bit of hope that when all of this is said and done, that I'll be able to continue to write with that confidence behind me. So that's a good vote, Phil. And I'm sure it's very comforting for Rebecca, who's getting ready to go off into the world. Um, yes, so. yes. Well, I mean, you know, I'm an old lady and I've been in the world for a while, but in the writing world, yes, very exciting in my thesis semester. And I, I hear all of their voices now as I'm writing, even the ones that made me mad, <laughs> you know, or took away something that I thought I loved or um so Phil you know what do you have just as like an overarching if you had any kind of advice for anyone who's out there and they're just writing for fun and they're considering maybe going a little bit deeper into study of the craft possibly you know an MFA um, or even a BFA you know uh, trying to take it more seriously and get an education around it what do you have any advice or thoughts that you want to share I say go for it because I didn't really think that like, oh yeah, this is something that is available to me. And I thought I was just like stringing together silly ideas in my head that like nobody would else would care about. And the fact that like, I kind of like learned that there is at least some sort of audience for my work. Like I never would have known that if it wasn't for this. So um, and I think that you never know what you might discover. Um, a lot of the things I discovered in this program were things that like I had no idea I was going to try to accomplish. Um, I, you know, am, I mean, I'm basically teaching full time now. So, you know, it has benefited me in that sense, even if I don't have the kind of publishing success that I would like. I have published a few short stories and an essay or two here and there, but even still, I mean, it's, um, that has really opened up a lot of doors for me. So, um, I'm going to AWP next week, um, just to kind of take it in, which is a little nerve wracking for me because my adult life has been kind of bookended by two traumatic events in like September 11th and then COVID. And like flying out to Seattle next week is going to be like kind of like where those two traumatic events intersect where I have to get on an airplane and then go to like a mass gathering event for the first time since the pandemic. So now you want to tell us what AWP is? Um, associate, I don't, Association of Writing Professionals or something like that. I don't know exactly what the acronym is for, but it's a big writer's conference um, where people get together and network and um there's agents there and there's other writers and there's um writing um department faculty and so this is my first time going actually um it's conveniently 
um, scheduled this year during Clark's spring break. I teach at Clark University in Worcester. And um, so um, I have the opportunity to go. And um, one of my Clark students, coincidentally enough, is from Seattle. So she was giving me all like the lowdown on like where to go, where not to go, um, what places are tourist traps overrated, um, what places are like actually really fun. So that's been really helpful. But yeah, it, it should be a good time. If anyone listening has Seattle Rex for Phil, please make sure you tweet them as <laughs> Mary Way. Well, and if people do want to actually uh, learn more about your work or read something that you've published, do you have any social medias you want to share? Do you have a website, Phil? What do you what do you have that you want to maybe share with people before we part ways? Um, I am on social media. If you look up at Phil Lemos, P-H-I-L-L-E-M-O-S, I I think there's an underscore between my names. Um, You'll find me on all the major platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, et cetera. Um, So yeah, I'm fairly active on social media. Um, So you can find me there. Um, I don't have a website yet. I probably should start to think about getting a website up and running. Um, but yeah, um, and yeah, it's great to connect with people. I, I find that a lot of times, you know, the chances that I've taken have really benefited me, like joining the MFA program and, you know, starting to teach. Um, you know, I remember my first day in the classroom like two minutes before my first class was going to start for the semester. I'm like, I can't believe people are trusting me to teach college students and like wanting to like race out of the room and like never come back, but it's really worked out well. So um, yeah, I'd say like, you know, go for it. That's such a nice note to end on. Like just, just take the risk, take the jump because you don't know where it's going to land you. Um, And you're such a great testament to that. So Phil, thank you again for taking the time to share all of your MFA experiences with us and loved your readings and we'll definitely have to have you back on at a later date. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. And yeah, anytime. Thank you, Phil. It's always good to see you. You can find the latest works of Assignment Magazine on our website, www.assignmentmag.com. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at assignment underscore mag and check out the official Twitter of the Mountain View MFA program at SNHU, which is just at Mountain View MFA. 